Welcome to Good News Church. It's great to see everyone here this morning. Happy Labor Day weekend. It's a great weekend. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Okay. So, um, listen, when you came in, uh, you were not given a bulletin, but in the seat backs in front of you, that's a really old script we used to use. My brain just got reset, I think. But in the seat backs in front of you, you'll see a connecting card. And if you're here for the first time, I just welcome you. We're so glad you're here and would love for you to fill out the connect card. Um, as you fill that out, Mark, you'll notice there's a place that says, I'd like to have lunch with the pastor. I would love to take anyone to lunch and hear your story and find out more about what you know about Jesus and how you're following him and what he's doing in your life. So listen, if you want to have lunch with me, this goes for anyone. Uh, mark that on your card. I'd, I'd love to take you to lunch. And um, man, some fun things have been happening. Um, I'm really excited about where Good News Church is going. Uh, if you would like to learn more about who we are as a church, the Discover Good News class would be a great place for you to come and learn more about what we're up to, what God's up to in our midst, and take the step of joining Good News. The next Discover Good News class is coming up in a few weeks on September the 14th. Uh, that's from 6 to 8. That's a Wednesday evening. I'll teach that class. Would love to have you come. Uh, mark that on your card. Fill out, put that on your card if you're interested in joining us. Hey, look at these babies. Amazing. The one on the left is uh, my grandson, Hudson James Foreman, who was born. And the one on the right is Ivy Parker Fretwell. That's Parker's granddaughter who was born. And Parker and Amy and their family are in Idaho this weekend meeting Ivy for the first time. And uh, super awesome. It's, it's really amazing to be with my daughter uh, last weekend and the week before that and just meet Hudson outside the womb and watch her parent and her husband parent so well uh, in that first week. And it just makes me remember all the times that we spent going to the daddy-daughter dance at Good News uh, as Madeline was growing up. We went to the daddy-daughter dance every year. And now to see her married with a baby, it's almost <clears throat> impossible uh, to imagine, which is why moments like the daddy-daughter dance are so important and special. So listen, if you're a dad and you have a daughter, all, wherever they are, um, this is a great night. People are working really hard to organize this for our church and um, really encourage you to register on our website for the daddy-daughter dance on October the 7th. And Listen, if, you've, if you don't have a daughter or you, your daughter's grown and you just love to encourage young dads and their walk with God and their daughter, then you can serve that night. would love to have you consider how uh, you might be able to serve that night. And there's more information on our website about the Daddy-Daughter Dance. Um, in a few weeks, on the 25th, we're going to have a night at our Wildwood campus from 6 uh, to 7.30 on September 5th, to share more with our entire church, both campuses, anyone who's been coming and is a part of Good News and wants to learn more about where we're going over the next three years, we'd love to have you join us on September the 25th at our Wildwood campus from 6 to 7.30 p.m., and there'll be more information on that. We have so much to be thankful for and, and so much to pray about, 
So why, why don't you join me in just a, a moment of prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for life with you. We thank you for the grace of Jesus Christ. That though we had broken your heart with our sin and our disobedience, you at great cost to yourself, you won us back. You've given us your son, Jesus. And you've given us the Holy Spirit. And you've given us the chance to, to know and follow you. Thank you. Father, thank you for all the things that are happening in the life of our church, we ask that you would continue to provide for our every need in accordance with your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that you would open hard hearts and, and unstop deaf ears and, and give sight to blind eyes. And, and Lord, for those who you would call to yourself that you'd do that. And for all of us who know and are following Jesus, that we'd be encouraged in our faith this morning. And oh, Father, that we could take this great message of salvation to our neighborhoods and our businesses and our schools and our gyms and our teams, and that you would be glorified in that. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, grab your Bible, turn to Malachi chapter 2. And we're going to keep going in our study of the book of Malachi. And this week we pick up in uh, Malachi chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Now as I read this, follow along in your Bible or on the screen. But let's pay close attention to what we hear because this is God's word. It's inspired, inerrant, it's infallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. It's sufficient for us. This commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity." For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you've turned aside from the way, you've caused many to stumble by the instruction, and you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people. Just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. 
the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We're walking through this book of Malachi, and and as we walk through the book of Malachi, we've been learning that everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. We need Jesus to work in our lives, to restore in our hearts the love of the Father. That's what we learned the first week, that for us to experience the love of the Father, we need Jesus. And last week, Smiley was here, and he helped us learn that that we all need Jesus to restore to our hearts a heart of worship. Now, this week, we're going to learn that we all need Jesus because we all need one great leader. We all need one great leader, and and that one great leader is Jesus. Jesus is the one great leader, and we all need Jesus. Because when I look out, when I look out, I see a crisis of leadership. You know, when I read through the Bible, I see a crisis of leadership. I read from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers, Deuteronomy, all through the Older Testament. And I read through the New Testament, the Gospels, and the letters of Paul, and Peter, and John, and James, and I read through the book of Revelation, and I just see a crisis of leadership. I see that everyone, everyone has failed. Men and women, we've all failed. We've all failed to glorify God. There's no great leaders in the Bible who perfectly honor, glorify, revere, follow God. I look in the news every day. Political news, sports news, local, national, international. I look at church news. And you just see failed leadership everywhere. Do you know where I see it the most? I see it every morning when I look in the mirror. I failed to be the husband that I wish I could be. I I failed to be the dad I wish I could be. I failed to be the pastor I wish I could be. When I look in the mirror, I see failed leadership. In the Bible, in the news, in the mirror, failed leadership. Which is why I'm so grateful that there is one great leader, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one great leader. And listen, we're going to learn that in Malachi 2, 1 through 9. So I want to answer three questions from this passage about Jesus, the one great leader. The first is, why do we need one great leader? We're going to answer that by digging into verses 1 through 3. And then in verses 8 and 9, why do we need one great leader? Then we're going to answer the question, well, how is Jesus the one great leader? And we're going to dig into verses 4, 5, and 6. And then we're going to answer the question, well, what should we do with Jesus, this one great leader? And, and to answer that question, we'll dig into verse 7. So let's go. Why do we need Jesus, the one great leader? Well, the reason we need Jesus, the one great leader, is because of a failure of leadership in every direction. Look at verse 1. Now this commandment is for you, O priests. Now in the Old Testament, 
the Older Testament, there were three offices of leadership in Israel. There, were the, there was the king, there were the prophets, and there were the priests. And the priest represented the people to God and God to the people. Their job was to bring atonement, at one minute. Their job was to reconcile a sinful people to a holy God so that a holy God could dwell in the midst of his people Israel. Their job was, was to oversee the worship with all of its sacrifices that made atonement for the people because something had to be done about the people's sin. And their job was to instruct the people in how to walk with their God, their holy, holy, holy God. But when God comes to the priests, these men who were called by God to, to reconcile a sinful people to a holy God, he doesn't come with it to them with a word of love and comfort and encouragement. He comes to them with a commandment comes to them with a commandment. You ever said this to your kids? Do what I say now. You ever do that? Usually by the time it gets to that point, it's gotten pretty bad, right? I mean, you've tried time out. You've tried the carrot. You've tried to promise some future reward. And nothing has worked. And so you just finally come to the end of yourself and you say, do it or else. That's a commandment. Do it or else. And God doesn't come to Israel on this occasion with a carrot or a comfort, but with a commandment. Do it. Do it. And he addresses the priests. And he says to them in verse 2, if you do not listen, if you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. What God is after is not external obedience to his commands, but what he's after is a heart response of love for him. What he's after is not rules to be obeyed, but a heart relationship of love. That's why we started in week one in Malachi, and God's first word to Israel was, I have loved you. But the priests, the leaders, they, they haven't taken the good news of God's great love. They haven't taken it to heart. They haven't listened. And so God says, I have a harsh word for you because you haven't listened. You haven't taken the good news of my love to, into your hearts. Behold, I am going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. 
For those keeping score at home, yes. I said refuse. God said refuse. The NIV, the New International Version, if you've been reading along with me in your copy of the Bible and it's the NIV, it says it even more forcefully. It says, I will spread dung on your face. Sin against a holy God is a big deal. And the priests and the people by their sin have been defiled. They're they're made up in refuse. Now think about this. When you have something on your face, can you see it? No, you can't see it. But if you have refuse on your face, I mean, look, if you just get it on your shoe, you know, what's that smell? Did did I step in something? What is going on? But if you have it on your face, you can't see it, but you can smell it. And yet... The priests have not listened. Sin is a big deal. It defiles us. It ruins us. And our hearts are so desperately sinful that though we can't see it and we should smell it, we're completely unaware of how far we've gone in our sin against a holy, holy, holy God. And we continue to say, it's not that big deal. It's not that big. I'll get used to the smell. I'll get used. Eventually, eventually it'll go away. It'll be okay. Sin is gross. It defiles. It's disgusting. And the reason why we need one great leader is because our priests and our prophet and our king and ourselves, we've all sinned against a holy God. We are in big, big trouble. We need a savior. Now go down to verse 8 and we'll see the second reason why Israel and us needs Jesus the one great leader. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by their instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction." They haven't received the word of God's correction. They haven't received what God had said to them. And so they have nothing to give to others in way of the truth of Scripture. They're not instructing people, the priests, the the people who should instruct, who should be filled with the knowledge of who God is and a knowledge of what God's word says. The people who should know God's word don't know God's word. They've gone their own way. They've been defiled. And they cannot give instruction. They cannot correct. They cannot guide the people because they have no knowledge of the holy or the holy one. Why do we need one great leader? Because the priests and we ourselves 
have been defiled by sin. Why do we need one great leader, a savior? Because we have no one else who can tell us the truth of who God is and can save us and instruct us in the way. And why has Israel, why have the priests gone this way? Because of fear. Verse 9, so I have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality. They're afraid. They're afraid of people. They fear the sneer. They don't want to tell the truth about who God is. They don't want to tell the truth about what the Bible teaches about the holy, holy, holy God. They don't want to face the reality that they smell. They don't want to listen because they fear the sneer. They don't want to be looked down on. They don't want to be looked down on by their peers, their friends. They they don't want to stand for truth because to stand for truth would mean that they have to put themselves on the line along with the truth. They fear the sneer. And the same is true of us. We need a great leader. We need Jesus. Now, Jesus is the one great leader. Jesus is the one great leader. Look at verses uh, 4, 5, and 6, and and 4, 5, and 6. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Now, verse 4 brings into the conversation between God and his people the word covenant. He led with commandment. You're in big trouble. Wait till your father gets home. Now he comes with the word covenant. And what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement sealed with promise and with blood. And when God introduces the word covenant, he's saying, I am going to remember my promise to love you because I've loved you, because I've loved you. I'm going to remember what I promised to be and do for you. I'm not always going to come at you with commandment. I'm going to remember my love. I'm going to remember my promise. All through the story of the Old Testament, back and forth it goes. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? God has promised to love his people. He's made a covenant of love with his people. And he said, I'm going to love you and you're going to love me and follow me, but you don't. And the covenant of love has been broken by his people and they've disobeyed him and broken his heart and they're defiled. And what's going to win? The covenant of love or God's holy response to a sinful people, which would be and should be justly to wipe them out. So what's going to win? The commandment or the covenant? And the answer is that the covenant wins because of Jesus Christ, who's able to keep the commandment and fulfill the covenant. Now let me show you how he does it Verse 5, 
My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him as an object of reverence so that he revered me and stood in awe of my name. No one ever revered the glory and greatness of God like Jesus. Because Jesus was eternally with his father. He had known the greatness and glory of God. And in John 17, we read this. Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. The priests have failed to achieve They have failed to meet the standard. They haven't revered the name of the Lord. And they're under a curse. And they've brought the people under a curse. But Jesus fulfills the covenant first because Jesus revered the Father's name above everything else. No one ever loved and glorified God like Jesus did. I glorified you on earth. Then verse 6. Uh, sorry, verse, the next verse in, back in uh, Malachi. Verse 6, true instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many back from iniquity. Isn't that Jesus? Isn't Jesus the one who who gave true instruction in John 17? Verse 14, we read this. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus didn't fear the sneer. He wasn't undone by partiality. He knew that people hated the word, but he gave the word anyway. He gave good instruction. He spoke the word of God, and he spoke it with authority. In John, um, Matthew chapter 7, the people, having heard the great sermon, the best sermon ever given, was given by Jesus. And at the end... They were amazed at his teaching because he spoke with authority. Jesus Christ is the priest we need. Jesus Christ is the great leader we need. He glorified God. He instructed with the truth. And there was no defilement in him. Hebrews chapter 7 There was no defilement in Jesus. He's the great leader we need. He's the priest that we need. Hebrews 6. Sorry, 7. Goodness. Hebrews 7, 26. It was fitting for us to have such a high priest. Listen to who he is. Holy, innocent, undefiled separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Jesus wasn't made up in refuse. He was undefiled. He was perfect. He was without sin. We need one great leader because we, like the priests in the Old Testament, we are defiled. We 
We don't have the truth in us. We haven't taken it to heart. We're all in big trouble. We need Jesus. And Jesus is the one great leader. And he invites us to follow him. Malachi 2.7 For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is worth following with everything you have because Jesus Christ is the one great leader without sin who perfectly showcases the glory of God and the truth of God and his word. Follow him. The action step for this week, the application for every single one of us is follow the leader. If Jesus Christ is the one great leader, then follow him. Isn't that what Jesus invites us to in Matthew 4, 19? Follow me. Follow me. And I will make you become a fisher of men. Follow me. Follow the leader. Now, if you're going to follow the leader, you need to make sure you have the right leader. Because all of us are prone to follow one of two leaders. We'll either follow self or we'll follow Jesus. Naturally, we're, we're prone to following the self. But Jesus is a better leader. He's worth following. Why? Because only Jesus leads to life and peace. In verse 2 of Malachi 2, God says his covenant with Levi was one of life and peace. Jesus leads to life and peace. Jesus leads to life and peace. How? Get this. Jesus Christ, the one great leader who had perfectly obeyed the Father in every way, Jesus Christ was willing for your sake and for mine to be treated and to be put under the curse so that you and I could have life and peace, so that you and I could have life, Jesus experienced death. So that you and I could be cleansed from all that defiled us, Jesus Christ went under the knife. So that you and I could have peace, Jesus experienced the wrath of God and was cut off. Jesus Christ is worth following because only Jesus Christ through his substitution is able to make it possible for us to experience what we don't deserve, which is life and peace, but we can receive through grace. Do you want life and peace? You won't find it by looking within to yourself. You'll only find it by looking outside of yourself to the one great leader, Jesus. Jesus is the one great leader. He saves us. He offers us life and peace. How do we enter into the life and peace that Jesus offers? We repent and we believe the good news of the gospel. We turn from our sin. We admit that the bad news of the gospel is true of us. 
I'm made up. I stink. I'm in big trouble. There's something wrong. I can't quite see where it is. And I turn from my sin and I put my trust in Jesus. I admit that the bad news of the gospel is true of me. And I believe that the exchange has been made. You read it this week in the book of Galatians. In Galatians 3, verse 13. You read it this week. Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Put it in the language of Malachi 2. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the commandment. Malachi 2.1 So having freed us, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. God took our sin and he put it on Jesus and punished Jesus in our place so that we could receive the blessing of the covenant. Verse 14, that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of the covenant, the blessing of the promise of life and peace could become ours. God took our sin and put it on Jesus. Jesus was cursed in our place so that the blessing that Jesus had enjoyed and earned could be given to us. That's the good news of the gospel. That's why Jesus is worth following. Follow the leader. Admit, believe, commit. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Admit, believe, commit. Have you? Won't you? Won't you? Listen, Jesus says, I offer you life and peace. Your part is to receive it, won't you? And if you have, if you have, follow the leader. Follow the leader. Get to know your one great leader. Spend time with him. Listen to his commandments. Since his commandments, since his instruction is pure and good and right, listen to him. Verse 7, For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Seek him. Seek his instruction. Do I have to read my Bible every day? You don't have to. But you get to seek instruction from the one great leader. Do I have to come to church and listen to the word? You don't have to. But you get to. Listen to instruction from the mouth of Jesus. Do I have to memorize scripture? You don't have to. But when you hide God's word in your heart, your heart won't depart from him. Listen, spend time, get to know the one great 
leader. In Matthew 17, verse 5, God the Father puts his stamp of approval on that when he says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. The God of the universe who made everything says it's wise and good and beautiful to listen to Jesus. So follow the leader. Get to know the leader. And you know what he'll do? Do you know what he'll do in your life as you follow the leader? Do you know what he'll do? He'll let you become a priest. He'll let you become a priest. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, says this. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What's the answer? What's the answer to the failed leadership all around us in the Bible, in the news, in ourselves? What's the answer to the failed leadership all around us? It's Jesus. Look to the one great leader and let him make you become a priest. A fisher of men, a person who can go where you live, work, and play as a priest, armed with the grace and love and mercy of Jesus. Verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God saved you from the defilement of your sin. He saved you from your lostness by giving his son Jesus, the one great leader, and he invites you to follow him. And as you do, imagine what could happen where, you're li- where you live. If in your neighborhood, there began to be a a priest. And you were that priest. You followed Jesus into your neighborhood to show love to the people around you. What if in your business, what if in your business, you became the priest in your business? You became that, that woman that everyone came to because you were the Jesus person. What if in your school, you became the person who was the priest, who was known to be a Christ follower? Don't fear the sneer. Don't give in to the sin of partiality. Plant your Jesus flag and say, I am a follower of Jesus. The sneer may come, but you won't be undone by it because you know you have one great leader. Follow him. Let's pray. Jesus. No one ever loved us like you. No one ever showed us the Father like you. No one ever instructed us like you. You are our one great leader. Jesus, I pray that you would open hearts and minds to the greatness and glory of your name and your fame and that, Jesus, you would be exalted in this place and throughout this community as the one great leader. 
And if you've never said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be my one great leader, won't you do that today? Won't you say to him right now, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Jesus, I want to go your way. You lead, I'll follow. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that all who call upon you, you will in no way push away. You always let us in. And Jesus, I pray that you would be exalted in me and in this people as the one great leader worthy of following. Jesus, you said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I'll make you, Good News Church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'll make you, Christian, a priest where you live, work, or play. Do it, Lord. For I pray in your name, amen.